right. Well, thank you, Kodo, for that introduction and warm welcome. I'm really glad to be here with you all and uh, just getting to participate in uh, this community. I've been living at Zen Center now for some time and um, it's just been an amazing, amazing journey and practice. And as Kodo was saying, I've been also in recovery for the past 26 years from drugs and alcohol. I got sober when I was 17. And as you can imagine, went through a lot. Um, and I, for me, the, the program of recovery has just been an incredible foundation for me in terms of just how I wanted to live my life. And I learned everything. I learned everything in recovery. And the basis that it gave me for how I wanted to live my life is very Buddhist, too. It was based in acceptance and looking at myself deeply, um, being of service to others. and. The thing that led me to practice here was uh, the, uh, the step 11 on meditation. And I came here to deepen my meditation practice. And, you know, I will admit, like in the beginning, it was really, really hard for me. You know, I didn't like Zazen very much. And I just stuck with it. And um, I have to say, as, uh, as Koto was saying, there's something about sitting still and sitting in the middle of whatever I'm feeling and whatever I'm thinking and that the greatest gift is that I don't have to believe all of my thoughts and I don't have to believe all my feelings or let them control me. And uh, kind of what I want to talk about tonight, um, I had said that I, the theme is living in integrity and standing on your own two feet. And how does Zazen help with that? How does this practice help with that? Like, how do we, how do, we do that? How do we meet like the different challenges that we have in our lives? And I'll, I'll share some stories of my own just to offer some experience. Um, but I wanted to begin with a quote by Suzuki Roshi, which has, I've been pondering a lot lately and it's been helpful to me. He says, the most important point is to accept yourself and stand on your own two feet. And I'll say that again. The most important point is to accept yourself and stand on your own two feet. And so when I thought about this in terms of living in integrity and standing on your own two feet, on my own two feet, how do I want to be in the world with all that suffering, with my own suffering? How can I accept all these things and how do I respond? Um, as a suffering being, I'm always looking outside of myself, like I did with drugs and alcohol, for comfort, for reassurance, for validation, for approval. I wanted you to like me. I wanted things to change. I didn't like how things were. Um, and I suffered, and I reacted. And I reacted poorly a lot, and I caused myself a lot more suffering, and I caused harm to others. And it was something that I, it was difficult for me to look at, you know, because I had so much, so much feeling inside, so much pain, um, and it took a lot of work and time in recovery and therapy and Zen practice to kind of come to a place of, which I always wanted in my life. Like, I remember when I was really young, I always thought to myself, I can't wait to be 40, because that's, I think that's when people have it all together, and I know Koda's about to turn 40, and I was like, actually, <laughs> there is something to the 40 thing, and when I got to my 40s, I was like, oh, I was right. Um, <laughs> There was something about, like, what is it to kind of get some space from my brain? You know, I don't know about any of you, like, if you suffered from your thoughts and you're like, wow, I can't, I can't stop thinking about this thing, or I keep feeling this thing and I feel miserable, and how do I stop that, you know? 
Um, so I'm going to tell you a story, um, a kind of a thing about myself um, that I struggled with, um, and I'm sure some of you have too. If you've had difficult mothers or difficult fathers, um, I certainly did. My mother is an alcoholic, and she was very abusive when I was young and was often not there for me. And whenever she was there for me, she was really critical. She was um, cruel, even. And I just grew up, you know, I, you would have thought that I would have hated my mother, you know, and a lot of people go through that, you know. But I actually, I just wanted her to love me. I just wanted her to accept me. I wanted her to be there for me. I wanted her to be the mom that I always wanted in my life. And, um, and it led me to drugs and alcohol. It led me to depression. It led me to um, a lot of grief and suffering. And it wasn't until I kind of hit my bottom, you know, I, you know, like I said, I got sober at 17. And you can imagine, like, I wasn't even an adult, you know, and here I was, you know, in the world and trying to figure out how do I cope with this? How do I, you know, this pain with my mom? And I blamed her. You know, I blamed her. It was her fault that I was this way. It was her fault that these things in my life were happening. Um, when I got to recovery, uh, one of the things that we, we, we bring the focus back on ourselves. And one of the greatest parts of recovery is this, uh, the fourth step, which is making an inventory of ourselves. And I was able to um, kind of write down what was I angry about, um, what had she done, and all these things. And I got to list out like the list of grievances, that she did this, and she said that. And then the, the greatest part about that step is looking back at myself. What was my part? And I just remember the first time I did that, that inventory, I was like, I don't have a part in this. This is all her fault. Um, what recovery taught me was that I have a part too. You know, I, I held on to these things and I let, I let them control me. You know, I let them affect how I felt about myself. And as I be, became an adult, I had to stop blaming things outside of myself for how I was, and I had to start taking responsibility for my own feelings and my own actions and not blame them on other people. Um, and I didn't feel okay in the world. You know, I didn't feel safe in the world, and that was something that I was hoping I could get from outside of myself. And the thing about for me with the suffering is like when I'm, when I'm grasping, when I'm trying to get something from from you, you know, in a sense. Like, let's say I'm like wanting your approval, I'm wanting your love for me, but you don't want to give it to me. That's like stealing, you know? And I'm like trying to steal your love when you don't want to give it to me. And you know how it feels when you're on the other side and someone's like, you must like me, you must love me, and it doesn't feel good, right? And so that's what I was doing to my mother, and it took me some time to see that. Um, through years in recovery and looking at this, um, I began to see her as just, is Alice, you know, she's just a human being um, who has her own suffering, her own conditioning, her own causes and conditions that make her Alice. And um, when I started to kind of detach from, you know, the things that she was doing and saying as having to have anything to do with me, me as a person, and that she's making me feel this way, that wasn't true, you know. And I began to just let, started to kind of just accept her a lot more. And when I got to Zen practice, this is one of the greatest things. Um, I was in, a, in a, it was like a practice period group, and someone had said that, you know, they had a very similar mother who was very abusive and who was very mean and didn't support them in their life and didn't accept their choices and um, their identity. And um, I resonated with that. And she said that she started to see 
her mother's feelings. Like my mom has always been kind of disappointed with me. She was like, why did you quit your job? I used to have like a big high paying job. I was traveling and you know, living a big life out there. She's like, you shouldn't have quit that job. You should not be at that Zen center and doing whatever you monk people are doing and go get a real job. And I was like, okay, you know. Um, and for her, that feeling was real. You know, and the thing is, it's like whatever my mom is thinking and feeling, that's her experience as a human being and as a mother and as a person who's suffering and a person who's concerned, a person who's afraid. And that is also part of her own experience for what she wants for herself and how she sees the world. And I was finally able to see that. I was like, oh, you know, here's a human being who's having this experience, this real feeling of disappointment, and that's real. You know, and I was able to be like, wow, mom, like, that's okay. You know, I hear you, you know, and it didn't mean that I needed to agree with that. It didn't mean that I needed to take that in or fix it for her or try to change her opinion. Like, she gets to have that. She gets to have her opinions and she gets to have her thoughts. And I don't have to take them in internally. Um, and so something great kind of happened from that, which was I stopped trying to get her approval. I stopped trying to get her to like me. I stopped trying to get her to be the mom that I always wanted. And then she got to, one of these great sayings I've heard in AA that has always struck me was that um, instead of trying to get her to be the mom that I always wanted, why don't I be the daughter that I would be if I had the mother that I wished I'd had and treat her like that and treat her with respect. And the thing that brings me to practice with that is uh, this, this thing that we do in Zazen, you know, just as Koto was saying, we take this posture, you know, we sit upright, we align our spine, you know, we have our head over our navel, or, you know, we're looking forward, we're upright. There's something about that for me that actually, that there's this thing about living with integrity, which is like, I'm standing upright. You know, I'm standing on my own two feet, my mom is this way, she's saying these things to me. And it's like, okay, you know, that is her. This is her and her sphere, and this is me and my sphere. And she can have all those feelings, she can have all those thoughts, and I can have mine. And I can learn to accept that this is just who she is. This is just how she is. And her causes and conditions have made her that way. Mine have made me mine. And I can stop taking it so personally. Um, and that's really hard to do, especially if it's your mom. You know, your mom knows how to push your buttons really, you know, well, and I know how to push hers too. Um, but when I started taking things less personally, when I started to just detach and let her be who she was, you know, we had these dinners, and um, she would, uh, she would got really drunk, and she would get really sloppy and kind of like mean, you know, at these dinners, and I would, I would just feel really upset, and I would just. I wouldn't say anything either. I would just kind of take it. And then I would leave feeling like crap and be like, oh man, my mom. And you know, that changed, you know? And um, one of the things I did was I asked her not to drink whenever we got dinner together. And it was surprising. I didn't think she'd actually agree to it, but she did. And there was something about, it was like, I just let her be her. And I also expressed a boundary for myself, which was, you know, this is what's okay for me, you know, and if you want to continue drinking and behaving and, you know, saying racist things and all those things, I'm going to leave, you know, but I let her be her and she, I gave her this gift of being like, look, this is me, this is, I'm giving you some feedback, I'm giving you a gift of telling you where I am, 
and I gave her the space to be herself, and she, she actually heard me, and you know, she doesn't drink around me anymore, which is kind of amazing. And there's this really great freedom that happened in our relationship. You know, and as I was saying, you know, when I was trying to get her to love me, and you know, you have to approve of me, and like, you know, you have to see it my way, and you're seeing it wrong. There, there was this like antagonistic relationship between us that we were both trying to be right. You know, we were both trying to kind of get each other to kind of like get to our side. And when I kind of just was like, what, whatever. You know, and she would be like, you know, Jenny, you really should, you know, blah, 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 color your hair. You know, you should really wear some makeup. You should really, you know, go buy a nicer car. Like all those things that used to really, you know, get to me. I'd just be like, yeah, mom, I know. And I just kind of laugh about it a little bit and be like, yeah, I know. I, I know you'd like to see me have a big car. That would be really great, huh? She'd be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, a big car would be great, you know? And I just said, yeah, mom. And uh, it was interesting, you know, it's, there was one, I did this little Jedi mind trick on her the other night, and uh, it was kind of funny, you might want to try it. I was like, you know what, mom? Thank you so much for supporting me in my life you know, at Zen Center and all the things that I'm doing to try to, like, you know, like, help people. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you're so supportive of me. You know, it's so great. And she's like, yeah, well, of course I want you to be happy. And it was just kind of this whole thing to get her to be like, yes, you know. And it was just kind of a funny joke that I had. I, I thought she'd be like, what are you talking about? But um, in any case, the, this great gift about being able to embrace her just as she was, embracing myself just as I am in this like weird dynamic. There's something that, that freed us both, you know? And now we can get together and it's like relaxed. Like she knows that I'm not trying to get something from her. She's not, we're not gonna have a fight. We're not gonna have some argument. I'm not gonna also criticize her for how she is, you know? She can just be Alice. And um, it's amazing, you know? I never thought that I would have a relationship with my mom that could be kind and joyful you know I always dreaded every dinner with my mom and now it's kind of like cool I get to have dinner with my mom you know and that's pretty amazing um so read a bunch of stuff that I didn't read but that's okay let's see what I'm gonna say yeah so I just a little bit about this practicing boundaries you know there's I know I've struggled a lot with accepting and embracing things that have been um, intolerable, you know, really intolerable, you know, like abuse in the world, the war and the violence and the crime and, you know, just in the, there's like these wars, you know, that are out there and then there's the wars that are in us, you know, like it doesn't have to be out there somewhere. There's a war in here when I'm hating my mom or I'm hating someone else or I'm saying something harmful or violent, you know, that's a war. And um, I don't have to, act out in that way anymore, you know? I don't have to participate in it, and I can also see it for what it is. And I think the practice of Zazen, for me, has given me the space to see it for what it is and to see where it comes from. It's kind of like seeing my mom where it comes from. I see all this, this, her words were violence towards me. Her words were like war with me. And I made it a war inside myself, you know, that I internalized. Um, and what I was able to do over time with this practice of just sitting, which is so hard. It's so hard when it's so painful. It's so hard when it's so in my face. 
Um, there was something about just breathing, just, just breathing, just be in your body, sit upright, be with it, that it began to kind of like disappear. And it kind of faded. And by standing upright, by sitting upright, I stopped reacting as much. I stopped just lashing out. I stopped acting unconsciously with all these behaviors that we have conditioned in us. I was able to respond. I was able to say or not say something. Sometimes the not doing something is not doing something. Um, and there's this, I had this teacher up at Green Gulch, her name's Fu, and uh, she did this practice period at Green Gulch, and her theme for that practice period was body like the mountain, heart like the ocean, mind like the sky. And that has always stuck with me, in this, this thought about acting with integrity, sitting with integrity, standing with integrity, having my heart open and open to everything, and my mind watching the clouds go by, the thoughts, the feelings, all of it, the war, everything inside myself, and being able to like let it, let it pass by. And she would often say, you know, the, the mountains aren't bothered by the clouds. The clouds aren't bothered by the mountains. They just pass by each other. Um, and that for me has given me so much ease, ease with these things. And not to say that these things still aren't hard, because they still are, you know, and that's why practice is so important for me, you know, this continuous practice of sitting, looking within, you know, and getting support, you know. And I, for me, Zen has not been enough. It's not the only thing that I do. You know, I have been, I really, really am a big supporter of therapy and other, you know, 12-step groups or whatever groups that people need, um, because it's the whole thing, like I'm a complicated person. And I can imagine everybody out there feels a little complicated too. Um, and that we need all the help that we can get. So, in any case, I do want to close. I don't know how long I went, but I want to kind of have room for questions and answers and small groups. But um, there's a quote by Suzuki Roshi from the book, Not Always So. When we sit in meditation, we include everything. There is nothing nothing but you, that is shikantaza. We become completely ourselves. We have everything and we are fully satisfied. There is nothing to attain, so we have a sense of gratitude and joyful mind. Thank you. <laughs>